Welcome to season one, episode four of the Lessons with Leaders podcast. I appreciate you listening in. I am Jake Allen, your host of the podcast focused on the Tri-County, South Florida area, where leaders who are paving the way for us throughout this area, through the economy. I have a very special guest with me today, Scott McLaren, president and chairman of the board of Styles. If you're unfamiliar with Styles, look around the downtown area. They have constructed and developed over 6 million square feet of property. They have led the way and the redevelopment and they have paved the way in the skyline for what is downtown Fort Lauderdale. Sky has been with the company for over 23 years and has been a big player in the South Florida real estate space. Scott, happy to have you on. Kind of way to get kick started here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. A lot about your podcast and about you and honored to be here. Absolutely. So obviously in the South Florida area right now, we're seeing a lot of development and a lot of money moving in down to this market. Styles being at the forefront of that, just kind of want to get a better idea of, of for our listeners who may not be familiar with Styles as a player down here. What exactly are you, is your team doing? How are you leading the real estate development industry down here? You know, just give us an idea about what Styles is all about and what you guys are currently doing. Sure. So Styles Corporation is a 71 plus year old family-owned, third-generation real estate development company. And we call ourselves actually a full-service real estate development company because on one hand, we were developers. And, and most people know what about developer is, but we, we invest our capital and our, our partner's capital into real estate assets throughout the regions that we work in. And then the full-service part of that title is really on the other hand, which is we very importantly provide services, real estate services to not only our own projects and assets that we own, but to third party owners in the marketplaces in which we, we exist. And those, those services are construction and property management and architecture and leasing. And so when you bring those together, the idea is to try to provide numerous aspects of the, the vertical stack of, of development and of creating projects. And, you know, those geographies that we play in, it's we're, we're known here as a Fort Lauderdale, you know, developer, but we, we really do business within the major metros of the state of Florida, okay. as well as some really great growing southeastern cities that we're super excited about, like Charlotte okay. and Raleigh and Nashville, Tennessee. And also Charleston, South Carolina. And obviously mentioned just kind of going off for that. So I know you were previously prior to being the president, chairman of the board of the entire corporation, you got a leadership position as the president of the Carolinas markets as your team led into that in 2012. Prior to that, you've been with the company, if I'm not mistaken, since 1999. What were some of your other roles and capacities until this point? And how did that kind of get you where you are today? Yeah, so 1999 just means I'm really old, right? For this group. But no, I, so just, the only thing to correct there in that statement, Jake, is that I'm not the chairman of our board, Ken Stiles, okay. third generation owner of this company, is our CEO and chairman. So I, I serve as our president and also as a member of the board of directors. Okay. And the, and the only thing to add to that as well, very importantly, is that Ken is, is one of three owners, Carrie Tidwell, his sister, and Teresa Stiles Hernandez is his other sister. And so the, the three siblings are the owners of Styles Corporation. 
So I started back in 1999, right out of grad school. I had, I had gone to undergrad at, at University of Florida. I come out with a finance degree and worked for Sony Corporation, the electronics company. Right. But as far away from real estate as you could, you could imagine, was a financial analyst and financial accountant there and, and went back to grad school specifically to study real estate. And I uh, came out and was hired by some incredible gentleman here, Jim Stein, who is now no longer with us, but, but who I worked with for many, many years. He is the president at Ram Realty here in South Florida now. And then Rocco Ferreira, who is one of our, our partners here, our chief investment officer. And started at the, at the bottom rung of uh, the finance side of this company as a financial analyst. And just very blessed to have found a company that is, is to this day very interested in finding growth opportunities for its employees to the best of our abilities. And was fortunate to be able to move around the company, uh, numerous different roles, sometimes sideways, sometimes taking a step back, sometimes moving forward in order to try to learn the business and ended up, as you mentioned, back in 2012, January, 2012, taking a step for the first time as a corporation into North Carolina. And we did that with public supermarkets in tow, but our 40 plus year client of ours, we built over 40 centers with them. And uh, they asked us to come into the Carolinas and start developing for them very quietly as they tried to ramp up a program. So I did, long story short, I did that for about four years, opened an office for us. And uh, again, very fortunate to hire incredible people, most of which are still with us today and, and are, are leading that organization up in the Carolinas for us. And then I, I came back home actually a couple of, uh, of years prior to Terry Stiles, our CEO yep. at that time, and really the gentleman that grew, grew this business to what it is today, he passed in, in September 2017. Right. But I had the opportunity to work very closely with him, with Ken Stiles, his son, with our current president at that time, Doug Egan, and the executive team at that time, prior to assuming the role of, of, of president. And again, just just you know, kind of re-entering just an incredible executive team that we have here today that's been with us longer than I have. Right. Yeah. A couple of things there, obviously as a company being as large as it is, being over 400 employees, if I'm not mistaken, but still being a third generation family owned and operated in a lot of ways, something you don't really see a lot. You know, how, how has the company, although developed you know, a lot of full art, has grown immensely and as a, as a company as well. How have y'all somewhat kept those family principles throughout 50 years and what impact do you think that has on the actual organizational culture? Yeah, really, really great, great question, Jake. And you, you, you know, I, I guarantee you touch a lot on on the word culture in your interviews that you do. It's it's thrown around a lot. I think there's probably people out there that, oh my gosh, that's cliche. Here comes the word culture again. But the reality is, it it is just a critical part of our business. It touches everything we do. Our our focus on a daily basis is really about our people. And if we keep and retain and treat our people right, they will treat our clients right. And, you know, keeping a, a growing a culture, boy, I wish I can tell you how to do that. You know, it comes from top down and it's been for as long as I've been here, a work in progress. But but for a guy like Terry Stiles, now his son, Ken Stiles, others here that, that helped lead this organization, it's more of a do the right thing, treat people right, do the right thing in the community and with your clients, do what you say you're going to do. Some very basic premises and, and principles that, that we've all been told to do as we grow up, but that many people don't do in the marketplace. And, 
And so we we are thrilled that that we had that kind of leadership for many years that it's just something that we could build on. We didn't have to go create it ourselves. And it's interesting. Yeah, I know I'm not on video, but right behind me, Jake will be able to see. I've got a, a list of our guiding principles that we, you know, continue to hang throughout our conference rooms and our hallways. And there's something that I constantly review and make sure that, that we're doing. We're not perfect at it, but right. what we found is that the culture leads to tenure, leads to people that want to be here and continue to do what we're doing. And as a result, the, the lack of loss of continuity mm-hmm. has been something we've we've really benefited from. You know, replacing key people and having or having holes in your organization is such a tough thing to overcome. So you know, yeah, big a big focus for us. And on that, so on the continuity and replacing people and Obviously, yourself being at the top of the company, like was Ken. The succession plan, if I'm not mistaken, I was very methodical and it was very well executed and was done over the course, but I'm mistaken, 10 or so years. Can you take me through kind of that grooming process also to going from, as you mentioned, numerous positions of the company, kind of the selection process of them coming to you and say, hey, at some point, we'd like to retire. Doug and Terry say, you and Ken are the next guys up. What was that like? And, and kind of take me through that. Well, it's real simple. Nobody else wanted the job. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it's so much credit given to Terry. He, he, he was the classic entrepreneur, the smartest man I've ever met. And, you know, it, it just incredible work ethic. So most people said, boy, Terry could never retire. Right. But sadly, it turns out he, he never did. He, you know, he worked until the day he passed and right. long like cancer. You know, it was every bit his right to start thinking about, boy, how could I go enjoy life a little bit? And well before he ever got sick, knew, knew of any of that, he started thinking about, and you call it 10 years, I think that's approximately accurate. Okay. Him and his executive team said, listen, we're, we're going to be, you know, a, 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 today, a 71 plus year company, right. but his goal at, and what he always probably said is we're gonna be a hundred plus year company, right? right? And this is gonna be a fourth generation, if not fifth generation company one day. And so that takes planning. It's all about people. It's about growing and retaining people. And, and honestly, we, we had and have continue to have this, this excellent group on the bench. Okay. So just behind Terry and Doug and Steve Palmer and, and others that, that were part of this organization for 40, 50 years. And so when the time came around to, to figure out how to do that, it was, it was really, truly a team effort. You know, and we can look back on some of that and, and, and I can look back on some of that and think about how it happened. But the reality is, I think it's a natural progression to, to Ken Stiles as our CEO. He had been coming up through the organization from the bottom up for many right. years. He had gotten very close to the CEO office for two or three years prior to assuming Terry's role as CEO. And then, you know, I, I, very fortunate to, to have the opportunity to come home. It was actually right. a, a, even a personal time when my daughters were about to go into high school and my son was coming up behind them and it was a good time to be closer to the home base here. So, you know, since that point, we continue to have an eye on succession of all of our, you, you know, head senior managers of our ambitions, right? Always trying to be thinking about who are our number twos, number threes and, and beyond to make sure that, you know, we can do our best to have similar succession plans across the company. 
Yeah, and you see that a lot at, you know, successful sport franchise. I know for any, any NFL guys, Bill Belichick's franchise is very much next guy up. You see a lot of companies who sometimes fall short of that. And especially when you think about that long-term plan, that's often where companies kind of fall off. And you see maybe a first, second generation sell of the company and then they may go public, whereas under different ownership and then the culture that we talked about has completely changed. And then oftentimes the momentum, the market share that company has is, is actually lessened by that. So going back to your role in the Carolinas, was that ever spoken about as kind of like your training ground in a way to get you in a position to take over as a president of a larger corporation? Or was that somewhat of a place for you to really prove that you were the right person for that role? Yeah, we're not that smart, to be honest. <laughs> we love to joke, Jake, but it's really true. We're, we're deal guys, right? And a deal guy can mean a developer, it could mean a property manager, it could mean a, a construction executive. We're real estate guys, we're entrepreneurial. And if we ever lose that, then then we won't be the same company. So we, we actually kind of guard about becoming too corporate and too regimented. And what I really mean by that is that, that you know, that was an opportunity to go to North Carolina where we right. were that next man up. It was kind of next man up. It was right. like, hey, Scott, you know, working with a, a great team from here, was the guy that, that you know, maybe was available, maybe had a, a couple of the hats that were needed to go up there, but but a number of us could have done it. And I really believe that we weren't thinking that far ahead yeah. at that point to know that that was going to be some great training ground. As it turned out, personally, and, and I reflect back on, on professionally, it was fantastic. It was an unknown. It was something that we needed to build. It was something that now we look, look again, look back on and team that, that took over for me has taken it 10 levels from what I was doing up there and has really created an environment in the Carolinas where we could be doing as much development there over time and, and probably in short order right. as we are down here in our home base. Kind of want to dive into that. You mentioned that being a good training ground for you. Maybe not intentionally, but it, it turned out to be you know, what were some of those pivotal moments early on in the 2013, 2014s? Where do you were headed into a new market? You know, obviously had a partnership with Publix, but potentially a, an area or a region you were not overly familiar with. What were some of those, you know, pain points that cultivated more of the leadership into you that you're able to carry now throughout the entire corporation? Yeah, good question. Yeah, listen, there, there's a couple of things that I that I think would be interesting, maybe for your listeners. Anywhere in life, but, but clearly in business, I, I strongly believe you need to get uncomfortable to grow. Right. And, you know, if you're in a, a great role and you get comfortable, boy, that feels good, right? That you, the stress is lower, but you're always learning in this business. You have to, especially in the development business, you're, you have to add more hats, as we call it here, yeah. to your knowledge base in order to become fully well-rounded and become that jack of all trades that you need to become to be, be a seasoned real estate developer. And, and so I kind of preach that, you know, I mentioned to you before, whether you're taking a sideways, mm -hmm. you know, advancement. I mean, I, I look at it all as advancement if you're learning. So I, early in my career, I took a step back from the finance role I was in to, to really move over to the other side of the organization, which was the development role. I said, I, Listen, I'm a numbers guy. I'm not a sticks and bricks. I don't own boots. I don't have a, you know, a really cool construction shirt. And it was kind of a joke at the time, but, but that was my feeling that, geez, that's not me. And 
I got real uncomfortable okay. to have to go over and, and be able to say, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and, and be able to say that out loud to a, a, a really seasoned and salty superintendent on a construction site that I was supposed to be working hand in hand with, right? And, and I, so you step back and you learn. So I think getting uncomfortable. And then I think the other thing quickly I'd, I'd tell you is you got to be curious. The person that comes into this organization that, that really is genuinely curious is the one that I see has the fastest growth potential. Because we might hire someone as, as a financial analyst in the, in the capital group. And if they are curious about what their, you know, you know, peer is doing over on the residential development team, when he's done with, with his role, if he's able to say, hey, Margo, on the, on the residential development team, tell me what you're working on. And I'll share with you what I'm working on. How does that fit into what I'm working on? Because it all fits together. Of course. That person is going to learn at a faster pace and just be content doing what they're doing. So it might sound simple, but you know, those are two things that stand out to me that, you know, as, as you go into a new role, you know, you got, you're going to be uncomfortable and you got power through that and you got to learn from it and you got to be curious or, yeah. or you'll, you'll just kind of fall flat at something. No, I think a lot of great stuff to unpack there. I think the biggest takeaway is you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You got to put yourself in positions where you don't really know where you're getting yourself into, we're also willing to admit that you don't know, right? It's, it's one thing to to not know something, then learn it, then just to fake it throughout the entire process and absolutely gain nothing from it. You gotta be, you know, I look at my own life and people who I speak with, anything that you become good at was something you were, at one point, had no idea how to do. And it's continuing to progress. You get good at one thing, find something else you're not that good at, learn how to do it, and then, Going more to the company, I want to discuss a little bit about what Styles is doing. You know, being a full service, biggest full service real estate company, really in the Southeast Confidential US, and then more importantly down here in Florida, as an organization, how do you keep all the parts kind of oiled up, integrated, moving together? You mentioned someone going from the finance to the real estate component of it, not knowing really what to do. How do you keep the senior leadership of the company at those different departments focus on their own little silo? but I'll contribute to the larger thoughts. Yeah, wow, really, really great question. I mean it because we ask ourselves that right. all the time. I mean, we, we have a, an operations team that includes every division head within the organization. It's, it's probably 20 people. And you know, some of the things that we do that we are so proud of that are involved in that vertical stack that I described earlier, providing services, being the owner, some of those are naturally things that that will butt heads in the complicated world of real estate. So if we're doing one of our own projects and in our development team is over here on the left and our construction team is over here on the right, how do you get them to work in sync? Is it through the question? Is it through compensation? Is it through you know correct team building? Is it all of the above? And, and again, inherently, if you're going to prove to your partners that that construction team is working with that development team as a, a true arm's length, third party, market rate based contractor, then you will inherently have some, some differences of opinion and separate goals in the, in the successful completion of their respective project. So, 
there's not a day or month or week that goes by where we don't have what we call, you know, two brothers going at it. Right. 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 They're from the same family. They love each other. They, they want each other to succeed. And at the same time, they're fighting like brothers. Right. Yeah. So a little bit of insight into a, I, I think a, a complicated structure that we have. And yet I will tell you the reason we have that structure. I mean, in essence, but the reason we have it is really twofold. When Terry Styles started this, the, the company and started growing from a contractor into a developer, a developer is a very, you know, risky portfolio uh, to play. So you, you accept the risk of having to sign your name personally. Right. When you starting the business on a construction while to complete a project, he wanted his guys and girls building his guys and girls, property managing, landscaping, designing, leasing, and he wanted to control it from a, what I call a quality control perspective. Okay. He wanted the very best, the way that he wanted to do it. He wanted them in the corner of that project. And number two, unfortunately, he had to ride through a couple of real estate cycles, which that's, that's what you sign up for when you get into this business. So things go up and down. They're, they're great when they're up and they're, and they're terrible when they're down. And, and at the end of the day, to create as best as you can, it's never perfect, but a diversified platform that has multiple sources of income. So when times are down and maybe development, you know, the hose bid gets turned off on development, maybe your property management is, is really ramping up. Now you move in. So those two things are really why we're structured that way and also why we we have to deal with that complication you mentioned. Now, are you reallocating human capital during some of those cycles? Maybe development is down, but financing side is large or, or uh, something of that sort. Are you doing internal restructurings throughout that process to kind of lean into the growing part of the business at that particular time? Yeah, hard to foresee that and plan for it, but, but no question about it. Another great question, Jake. I mean, in 2008, 9, 10, we, we saw a lot of that, you know, we, we lost some people in the company and, you know, nothing paying Terry or senior managers here more, but I will tell you to the very best of our abilities. And you can look at some of our absolute leaders of the company today that, that moved divisions okay. during that time. Okay. So we were able to, you know, rack, ramp up in staff areas that, that were going to be able to support that kind of overhead and move them away from other areas where, where they might've, you know, started their careers and felt really good about, and they talk about getting uncomfortable, right? right. They needed to move over and get uncomfortable and learn a new skill set. And then in 2008, what, what was your primary role during that? What were you really targeting as a position? And then just high level, how did, how did y'all get through that? Not lose too much traction to be able to be where you are still today as a yeah, I mean, personally, first, I, you know, I was uh, right in the middle of effectively moving out of a development hole where I've been working on public shopping centers for a number of years into a, a more of a, a so-called business development role, a, a regional vice president level where I was farming new development opportunities up in Palm Beach County North was the territory. And so I'll, I'll never forget that time. I mean, not, none of us probably will if we, if we live through it, then you're working through it in the real estate development world. You, you, you literally, the way I put it in, the way I talk about it in short, is that you had to wake up every morning, swing your legs off the side of the bed, get out of bed, and say to yourself, I need to go shake a hand today. Right. That could be a new relationship. 
that that might not turn into any kind of fee revenue for this company for two years. But it, that was the mindset that you you had to wake up every morning and be, there's no script. There was no one telling you what to go do. You had to go figure out how to generate revenue in real estate. And then having a diversified platform allowed me to go sell different services. I could I could shake Jake's hand in right. one day and say, hey, you need property management services. It's shake, you know, Jim's hand the next day and say, hey, it's how we build that building suit office building for you. That's personally, as a, as a corporation, it's similar, I think. But, you know, the the, the senior leaders, Terry Siles, had to do that and let that flow down to everybody else, right? Yeah. Encourage everyone else to be doing exactly the same thing. Challenging times. And, and uh, we know they'll come again. So obviously tough times make tough people. And I think that's very true in, in a lot of industries, especially in real estate. You mentioned, you know, the, the need to just get moving. I'm a big believer. You hear a lot of people, especially in my generation, they're looking for the easiest paths. They don't necessarily want to put in the work. Everybody talks about grass greener on the other side. I'm a big believer grass is greener where you water the grass. What would you say for people who, when it gets tough, they automatically go, oh, let me look at something else. Like obviously, you know, being someone who in the business at that time, you're in the business for 10 years, it's a lot easier for you to say, well, I'm doing real estate because this is my career. Let me stick at it. But oftentimes you see someone a year, two, three years into a career profession, who automatically wanting to move something like it's tough. Like how do you identify kind of your why? to get through those difficult times. Yeah, yeah, a good one. I look, listen, a lot of people know me around here for for using one main term. Okay. It's and it's grit, G-R-I-T, right? And there's been a lot of study on that over the last five or six years. There's a woman named Angela Duckworth that, that wrote the book on it. And you know, it's this this interesting combination of passion and perseverance, if and when you can get a sense and learn how to get gritty. I preach it to my kids. Right. I preach it to the, the mentors that, that I assume every year at the University of Florida's real estate program. It's a quality that is not, you know, something that's tied to your intellect mm-hmm. and it can be learned. So forgive me, I just turned off my video on it, but it can be learned. And I think largely it just comes through experience. Okay. So it's hard to teach yourself that unless you try to get gritty. But the reality is, to me, it's still very much work ethic. You know, I had to give a presentation to the students one year at the University of Florida, and I said, boy, you're all going to hate me, but I'm going to tell you something. Work harder than everyone else. And and that flies straight in the face of, of many people you hear today say, let's work smarter, not harder, right? I'm not saying work in smaller combination. You got to find a gut combination for sure. Definitely work smarter, use technology. I mean, you have to. And that doesn't make you sound like a dinosaur. You're not saying that as well. Of course. But the point is, don't feel like you can get to where you want to go. You don't feel like you can really move unless you're putting in the effort. And, and you know, sometimes that's lost on people, but it's a simple formula. Really is. Yeah, I think absolutely. You got to. Working hard is oftentimes the, the cure-all for everything. I, I tell people all the time that hard work works. Does not need to be an overcomplicated formula. Obviously, you want to make sure you're doing the right things and around the right people. You know, I'm a big believer too that you know there's three ways to scale a business. And it's really applicable: real estate, OPT, other people's time, leveraging employees to get the job done for you. 
OPM, other people's money, was talking about developing and taking risks. We have to have capital back and financing something your company provides, I'm sure, leverages as well. And the third one is OPD, other people's experiences, having mentors. So you can learn lessons from them. Our parents always tell us, hey, don't, you know, learn, learn the easy way. Don't, don't put your hand on the stove. Learn from me. It's going to be hot. Don't touch it. In business, you have to have the other people's experiences. So the hard work, although it's doable, is not always, you know, always doing the hardest possible. You're, doing, you're learning before you do. Really, so, really great ones. What were some of the, uh, you know, OPE? Who were some of the mentors in your career so far that have really helped you where you are today? Well, I, well, I, boy, that, that just made me smile when you said that because it's so important. And, and you know what, you, you know, quickly, one of the things that you got to remember as you're finding, you know, the, the OPEs are everybody I hold in life has a family member that is one of your mentors, but you may or may not, but you need to find mentors that are outside of your family as well. Of course, my, my kids will tell you that dad is way too conservative to be their only mentor, right? right. Because I'm their dad and I'm scared for them and I want them first, right? Yeah. To do things more conservatively. Whereas they go find a, a, a mentor or two in college or at work and they find somebody outside of their work. So to really be the, the three suggestions would be find someone that's non-family, find one or two, at your place of work and then find someone outside of it because you, you need to get the proper perspective, right. those rounded out perspective. And, and over the way, those mentors at work don't have to be, you know, the CEO and president right. of the body. You know, in many cases, I would, I would tell you, find at least one person that might not fit the typical description of what you, you describe as a mentor. Right. You know, find, find the administrative assistant that's that's navigated the company for many years and it has the, the ear of someone that you might think is uh, the description of a, of a true mentor, you know, a senior executive or otherwise. Don't just feel like you got to slot into, boy, I got to go find somebody at the top of the company. Right. And get a mentor. You got to have that different perspective. I'm a, I've always said it. You know, I want to listen to everybody's advice and then take note of it. What I mean by that is take in what people tell you, but then make your own decision based on that, based on your own perspectives and everything. I think the, the one you hit on is, is, in my opinion, most important. That's a, a true third party mentor, right? If you get someone who is at work, they're going to help you scale the ladder. They're going to help propel yourself and sell in your position, your family. You know, I would, I would say for me, for uh, me personally, my parents are way too conservative, similar to you. If your kids, they, they want the best for me. They don't want to see me fall on my face. So their advice may not be as, advocates. it may not be really something that will help me get to that next level. But finding someone who has no, no I would say no interest, but no skin in the game regarding how you do is a true, hundred percent, great way to say it. True objective opinion. It's very important. And, and the other thing, just tacking on that real quick and said, you mentioned family. I mean, having a mentor to to navigate things outside of work as well. Right. How do I Absolutely. how do I manage my time with my kids? How do I, you know, keep my marriage strong? How do I whatever it might be personally that you're doing, you know, someone that might be just a couple years ahead of you, right? It's done it or had to face the same things you have. Really important, of course. Yeah, anytime you bring something to a mentor, and they say, "All right." I did this three, four years ago and exactly where you're at. It's pretty reassuring. No, no doubt about it. And 
want to kind of go back to, you know, the three generations. I know, for example, Terry, I looked it up, 48 million square feet of development throughout this area. Obviously, some of the biggest you are in the South Florida market, you know, Bank America Plaza, Las Olas, 350, 450 Las Olas Center, numerous corporate parks throughout this area. My question to you, Scott, is as we continue to have the northern money come in, the influx of COVID-19, people move in here, I believe about 100 people move to Broward County each day. You're starting to see out-of-state money come in from an investment standpoint, out-of-country money come in into this area. Being a 71-year-old company, having the reputation and being as well-noted in this market, how does that position styles when you now have new competitors in this area? And what do you really see happening in both the commercial and, and overall real estate market as we continue to just sell and this, and this real estate market down in South Florida. Yeah, listen, there's been many times and constant times in the history of the state of Florida where you, you've had the thousand people a day, you know, that are moving here, right? But what you saw remarkably, no one could have suggested it or, or thought that it would be the case. When the pandemic hit for a lot of reasons, and we, we know a lot of them, you know, we together, we know why people were flooded to Florida. And the, diff- the main difference is that what you saw this time, which has never happened like this in the past, is that businesses were coming to Florida. Corporations, right. listen, yes, a lot of smaller financial institutions, hedge funds, otherwise, that they were coming mainly for tax purposes. But other businesses, like let, let's use Wall Street for, okay. for a minute, because for many, many years, if you really wanted to work on Wall Street, you need to go and physically work on Wall Street. The, right. the difference today is you can come out of a, a university or a grad program, and there are Wall Street firms located in Charlotte and Nashville, Miami, West Palm Beach, that there's no longer a stigma, mm-hmm. is the way I say it, that says, oh, well, yeah, you, you kind of work for an investment bank, but it's a Florida investment bank for its yeah, you know, you work for Alliance Bernstein, but it's out of the, the Nashville office. You know, I don't see that being the case. Anymore. And I've got, you know, two daughters in business school and and, uh, and they're not hearing that and they're not feeling it. And their classmates are are certainly, many of them still focused on New York, but, but many of them are focused on other areas. So I, listen, that's the biggest change. And for us as developers, we need to take advantage of it here in Florida okay. and in those other growth markets. As these companies are coming, again, it's not just people that we're building hotels and, and resorts for and, and more homes for. It is now back to being able to talk about new office and the next generation of office and how do we house these businesses. What, what, what is your opinion on that, the new, new generation of office? Yes, we, we just completed one here on Las Olas. It's all remain. And we delivered it straight into COVID. We probably thought we were sitting ducks at about a third of it released. And, and then all of a sudden we opened the building and we were amazed. It's, it's now 98% leased. The tenants came and felt and saw the differences in the building and the unique things that come along with doing a new office building today that you have to do. Right. You know, the, the gymnasium, the lockers and showers, the, the club room, the indoor, outdoor, the bar, the things that you build into an office building that we never did. Right, right. 
And as a result, there was a flight to quality with tenants in this market and out of market, which again, big, big difference. We never used to lease up our buildings, you know, 25 or 30% of our, our building here was leased by out of market tenants. That, that never happened before. So there is a flight to quality. If we add another one to uh, another great site right here to, to uh, hold a building permit on today, we would. Right. Now, we, we believe in, in, you know, in that market. We are doing that in Charlotte and in Nashville right now, just under construction on two big buildings in both those markets. So we remain bullish. We're, we're making bets on office. There's a great debate about how people are working. But, but again, that's probably a whole other topic for another time. Yeah. Well, no doubt about it. And then just the last thing is I know moving into the Carolinas and into the Tennessees, the Southeast players and the SEC region, are there any other discussion points or any other areas you're looking at that you think you may end up in? Or is that kind of confidential information? No, not confidential. I'd share it if there were. I would tell you we love uh, the state of Florida. So there's there are markets that we're not heavily okay. in, not uh, enough invested. Let's say Tampa, for example, one of the fastest growing markets in the country. Absolutely. So so we have some some goals to be doing more in other areas. You know, we are up in Jacksonville developing okay. right now. Over time, we we parachute in and out of the, the the center part of the state. Right. But those other markets that we're in outside of the state as well. We, we think we will grow there as much as we have in South Florida. So just a, a great place to be, better lucky than good. Why we're in those markets, we plan on staying invested there. Better lucky than good. I might be the takeaway for today. 71 years in the South Florida market, third generation, arguably the powerhouse of real estate, not only development, but with full service. Scott been a company for 23, Three years, if I'm mistaken, as we mentioned, president of Styles. Truly an honor to have you on, man. And just hear about your story, hear about all the perspectives you gave. I'm sure my listeners will get a lot out of this. I know I did. Just that last thing, kind of wrap up, you know, where can people go to learn more about Styles other than just looking around downtown and seeing your name everywhere? Yeah. Uh, how can- yeah. Hey, Jake, first of all, thanks. You're doing yeah. great things, man. Appreciate being your guest. And please check us out, styles.com. Love to have you sort through our website. And if you ever need anything, reach out to me. Good for it. Well, sounds good. I'm going to let you go. It was great having you on. And have been, have, it's, today's Friday. If you're listening in, we're recording. So have a great Friday, man. Have a good weekend. Thank you again for your time. Thanks again, Jake. Take care. Take care. Another great episode on the Lessons of the Leaders podcast. Another great conversation. Truly was a pleasure to sit down with Scott McLaren of Styles Real Estate and learn about his story, his career, what he's done throughout his time with the company to put himself in the position he is today to be the president. The president of one of the largest full-service real estate firms in the Southeast U.S. styles a company that has led the forefront, led the charge in the creation of the Fort Lauderdale skyline that we love and know it as today in the South Florida real estate market as we know. One thing that is truly becoming a common occurrence on this show it's a need to be comfortable and in uncomfortable positions. Scott talked about how early and throughout his entire career, his willingness to change into different verticals within the company and to take on challenges he was unfamiliar with and to learn throughout that process. So he's now able to be the president of this company. Truly some great content there, great conversation. I know I took a lot out of that and I hope you did as well. 
If you are listening, feel free to share this with a friend. Please do so. Share this with a friend. Pass it along to a colleague, family member. Hit subscribe. Stay tuned for the next episode. We're going to continue to grow this platform. Bring on large business leaders, people who are making an impact in the South Florida real estate market. And I hope to bring you along with me on this journey as we continue to grow the Lessons with Leaders platform and podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you have a great day, a great week. Till next time, I am your host of the Lessons of Leaders podcast, Jay Gallup, signing off.